The next thing on our agenda today is a report of our Municipal Association Legislative Committee and Legislative Team report. Uh, Rick Osmond, Mayor of Bacon, will lead, uh, present that information to us. Mayor Osmond. Good morning again. Thank you, Kathy. Each year, the Association's Legislative Committee plays an important role in the development of the annual advocacy initiatives for cities and towns. The committee is made up of a cross-section of mayors, council members, and staff from municipalities of all size and all parts of the state. Would everyone who served on this year's committee please stand? I wasn't the only one on the committee, I promise you. <laughs> could, could, could we give those members a round of applause even if they are too shy? Thank you for your time and commitment to this important process. The association develops its advocacy initiatives based on the input gathered from local officials. And normally, you might recall that we would go and meet in person in regional advocacy meetings to hear from you, but obviously that had been changed to a virtual platform due to the pandemic. We hope to get back on the road again in 2022. But based on your association, on your, your recommendations, the association staff develops recommendations for legislative committees consideration about actions that can help our cities and towns the most. Because this is the second year of a two-year session, the legislative committee recommended to the association's board that we continue working on the currency advocacy initiatives as developed and adopted in 2021. Several of these initiatives were completed in the 21 legislative session, such as the extension in the abandoned building tax credit full funding of the local government fund, and funding for the firefighter, firefighter cancer benefit plan, and a change to the Textile Communities Revitalization Act. However, there are still several initiatives out there waiting on action from the General Assembly, such as the law enforcement reform, enclave annexation, and broadband expansion. Also keep in mind that these initiatives are not the only thing our team is working on in this session. In our online legislative tracking system right now, we are following more than 360 bills that could have an impact on your city or town. To break down the major issues that we're following and working on, we want to welcome our legislative team. And before I bring them up here, I want to say what a heck of a team that we have working on our behalf in the State House. It, it, yeah. If you've ever had the opportunity, and, and uh, they're very good about, as Todd referred earlier, bringing in the representatives and people who are actually constituents. If you ever have the opportunity to walk the halls up in Columbia with, with our team, uh, you recognize that as soon as they come in, they get people's attention. Our legislators are coming to them and getting input, and they've done a great job to position that. So at this time, I'd like to welcome uh, Scott Slayton, our Director of Advocacy and Communication. Um, Ms. Erica Wright and Joni Nickel, who are our public policy advocates. And I'm going to turn it over to Scott and uh, let them give us a little update at this time. Please welcome our team one more time. Thank you, Mayor. Really appreciate that, ladies. Thank you. Um, as the mayor said, I am Scott Slatton. I'm the director of advocacy and communications and uh, Joni Nickel to my right and Erica Wright on my further right 
are a part of our legislative team uh, that is at the State House each and every day advocating on behalf of your city and town. Uh, what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes is give you a briefing on where we are with uh, the legislative session so far and some of the things that we're working on in addition to the advocacy initiatives uh, that were incomplete uh, from last year. So uh, let me pull out my notes here real quick. I forgot to pull those out. Don't forget your glasses. Oh, my glasses too. Yes, I need those. Everybody has to remind me to wear my glasses. And of course, I have two sets of glasses. I have these reading glasses that I use up close and I have computer glasses. These are my reading glasses, thank goodness. So this is the second year of a two-year session, uh, last year being the first, obviously, which means that any bills that did not were not enacted into law last year stopped in place in the legislative process. So uh, when the legislature came back into session a few weeks ago, uh, the, those bills resumed their movement or not in the legislative process from where they stopped last year. And there are a good number of those that we're continuing to track and, uh, be, and paying attention to. Of course, in addition to that, there are uh, pieces of legislation that have been introduced since this past December and throughout the session so far. So we are adding to that body of, uh, th that body of bills that uh, Mayor Osmond mentioned a minute ago that we're tracking. So let me give you an update on where we are in the session. The General Assembly came back of the, the uh, second week, second Tuesday of this okay, month. Yep. Uh, we are starting the fourth week of the session uh, today. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, the session has gotten sort of a halting start because of weather. Uh, you know, those of you in the upstate uh, are, understand the uh, weather challenges that you had with regard to the snow and ice kept legislators from coming uh, to town a couple of weeks, particularly from the upstate, so the General Assembly did not meet. Of course, then there are issues with regard to COVID. Uh, COVID hasn't shut down the General Assembly like it did uh, last year, 2020, 2020 rather. Yeah. Um, but there are key staff members who are, have, been, uh, have come down with the COVID, uh, and then of course legislators themselves. So perhaps their bills or their subcommittees weren't able to meet uh, and move forward with things that they, they wanted to, to do. So we expect that this week is probably gonna be the first really first full good momentum week moving forward. Uh, and of course the General Assembly adjourns the second Thursday in May. So that may seem like it's a long way off, but really in terms of the legislature, it is, uh, it is fast approaching. So um, what, are the, what have they been doing so far since they have been in? Um, one of the first things that they had to do was work on the congressional redistricting map. Um, of course, because of the census, uh, the General Assembly had to redraw its lines, each House and Senate district, uh, to account for changes in the state's population. They took care of those maps and adopted those back in December in special sessions. But what they had to do when they came in immediately in earlier this or earlier in January is deal with the congressional map, the uh, redrawing of the seven congressional districts in South Carolina. So that took up a good bit of floor time for both the House and the Senate. On the House side, uh, they have been meeting in subcommittees, House Ways and Means subcommittees, uh, working on the state budget. Um, and Joni's gonna talk about some details of the state budget in just a few minutes. 
but the House Ways and Means Committee needs to get their subcommittees underway and prepare the state's budget because that's the, the budget originates in the House. They have to prepare that so that they can get it over to the Senate later this spring in time for the Senate to be able to work on it. So that has limited the House's uh, floor time mostly to a very short calendar of bills that they've been considering. So where they would normally later on in the session be spending the large part of their floor time on bill work, they've not been doing that so that they can get out of uh, session and get into those House Ways and Means subcommittee meetings. On the Senate side, in addition to dealing with the congressional map, they spent a week or so on the Certificate of Need bill. Uh, the Certificate of Need is a uh, process in South Carolina and, and some other states as well that helps, to, uh, helps DHEC evaluate whether or not and how and where uh, healthcare services can be located in our state. There was a reform movement afoot in the Senate in particular. Uh, uh, Senator Tom Davis from Beaufort was very interested in this. And so they have largely, uh, the Senate now, passed a bill that would make dramatic changes to the Certificate of Need program. That took up a fair bit of time. Then last week, the Senate spent uh, all of its time, for the most part, on a special order bill on medical marijuana. Again, this is a project of Senator Tom Davis from Beaufort. Uh, he has been working on a medical marijuana uh, bill uh, in the state for over seven years, and he's finally gotten the opportunity to get that heard. So they spent all of their time, most of their time, on the Senate floor last week, and will spend a good bit of it this week yeah. on the medical marijuana bill. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, of course, uh, the Senate has also is working on a number of changes with regard to how it runs and who runs it. Uh, as you all know, uh, Senator Hugh Leatherman passed away in December, and his passing uh, caused a, ch a number of changes to occur in the Senate with regard to leadership. Of course, he was the longtime chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. Uh, now, Senator Harvey Peeler uh, is the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. He resigned as the president of the Senate so that he could assume that finance chair seat. Senator Tommy Alexander from Walhalla ascended to the uh, Senate presidency. And then uh, Senator Tom Davis again was named as the chairman of the Senate Labor, Commerce and Industry Committee. So you have all of these uh, structural and leadership changes taking place while they're also in the Senate tackling these big issues. Now, what does that do for our issues? Well, it doesn't leave a lot of time so far for the things that we're continuing to work on. And uh, Joni and Eric are gonna talk about the things that we're working on immediately, but I'll speak to uh, what Mayor Osmond just mentioned with regard to our remaining advocacy initiatives. In particular, the en Enclave Annexation Bill. This is a perennial issue for all of you. We hear from you at our regional advocacy meetings each year. We want Enclave Annexation. We want to eliminate donut holes from our municipal limits. Uh, Representative Marvin Pendarvis from North Charleston introduced a bill last year, House Bill 3198, that would eliminate, uh, allow you to, by ordinance, eliminate enclaves, but he needs help. Uh, uh, Representative Ta uh, Terry Alexander has signed on as a co-sponsor, but I'm just gonna tell you folks, they're both Democrats, and in the House, they don't carry enough juice to be able to get that thing moving. 
not until and unless each of you reaches out to your House member and asks that your House member request a subcommittee hearing be held on that enclave annexation bill will it get that subcommittee hearing. So I would encourage you, if you're interested in that, to do that. Erica is going to talk about our law enforcement reform efforts. You've heard about some of that this morning already. One of the remaining issues uh, uh, that we're continuing to work on is code enforcement, uh, being able to bill uh, and collect code enforcement liens on a property tax bill. All of you know if you have to clean up a piece of property in your city or town, you put a lien on that property, you're likely never going to get that money back. We would like for you to be able to uh, bill that onto the property tax bill and make it collectible in the same way as municipal taxes are. And then, of course, a small issue that some of you may be concerned about is the zero millage bill. Uh, for those of you who can't uh, levy operating millage right now because of Act 388, uh, we're working to try and get you that ability. Uh, Senator um, Mike Gambrell from Belton has introduced a bill that would uh, give you that authority going forward. And so if you're interested in that, and there are only a handful of cities and towns across the state that don't have an operating millage, if you're interested in that, please reach out to Senator Gambrell and let him know that, uh, that you support that bill. So those are some of the things that we are continuing to work on with regard to our advocacy initiatives that were left undone from last year. But I'm going to turn to Joni and Erica now to talk about some issues in particular that have consumed a lot of our time and that we all know that you're interested in. Joni's going to talk about issues in the upcoming state budget that the House Ways and Means Committee is working on right now. And then Erica's going to talk about, I don't know how much we want to talk about the law enforcement reform. We, we'll since touch we heard on that. it. We'll touch on that. But she's also going to talk about the... Um, the uh, ARP monies as well and the work that she's been doing there. So I'll turn it over to Joni and Joni, I'll let you start about the budget. Thanks, Scott. Well, before I do the budget, I am going to add one other thing. Uh, we are in the second year of a two-year session, so crossover date has never been more important than it is this year. So any legislation that didn't pass over last year or any legislation that's now been introduced this year, if it does not cross over, it is possible, but it is almost not doable. And crossover means if it if a bill doesn't move from the House over to the Senate or from the Senate over to the House by the crossover deadline, then it is extremely difficult for that bill to uh, to to be enacted into law. And as Joni says, in the second year of the two-year session, it's really, really important. Last year, not so much because yeah. we had another year to work on stuff, but this year is really important. So just, just keep that in mind when we are trying to hustle and get pieces of legislation crossed over or passed, we are in a time crunch. Um, but speaking of time crunch, we are right now debating the budget in the subcommittee of House Ways and Means. This is again the fourth week of session. We've already testified before the um, Constitutional Subcommittee in regards to the local government fund. Um, last year they fully funded that in accordance to Act 84. Um, not only did they fund the local government fund in accordance to Act 84, they went back the year before and gave us the percentage um, because we were operating under the continuing resolution, which um, put a freeze on the local government fund going up or down. Um, so let me explain Act 84 real quick. So that was passed a couple years ago, and any time the general fund goes up or down up to 5%, so does the local government fund. Um, so they were very receptive of our ask. Um, we testified as well as the accounting association um, and it looks like we're going to get the full 5%, so that's an additional, it's roughly $15 million in addition to the local government fund as it's funded. Um, so we, we will see what happens there. I mean, last year it was no problem in the Senate once the House approved it, so it shouldn't be a problem 
this year. They also took testimony from PEBA. Um, again, all these agencies, state agencies, are now testifying before the subcommittee, and they're taking this all in as information. PEBA testified, and as you all are probably aware, when you make your budget um, for, for this year and next year, you had to do the 1% increase for the SCRS and the PORS. So that's your South Carolina Retirement System. And you're going to have to an anticipate that 1% again. So when we spoke to PEBA last year, they said we should probably anticipate that 1% increase until 2023. So it looks like that 1% is going to be in effect this year. And PEBA also testified that they are looking to do an increase in the health insurance premium as well as the deductible. Now, we were grandfathered in with our PEBA plan, so that increase is, is minuscule, but I mean, it's still, it's still there, but we don't know what the committee is gonna do as far as which, which version of PEBA's um, request that they're gonna take. So, we do, we do have that taken care of right now, but we also had some issues last year that were, turned out better for us. So, we had some stuff in the budget that was the PTSD, um, funding. So that in the past has always been non-recurring dollars. That's your PTSD for your um, law, law enforcement and your firefighters. To these, the are, these are treatment services for firefighters and law enforcement for PTSD symptoms. So. That's correct. Yep. Uh, up to $500,000. Um, and in the past that's been in non-recurring dollars. And last year they put that in recurring dollars. So that means that they don't have to go back. Those agencies don't have to go back and ask for those dollars those will be put in the budget. Now what those agencies will have to do, and I've, I've spoken to, to both agencies, they'll have to justify those programs. I mean, if the state is automatically giving you $500,000, they wanna know that it's being utilized. Yeah, the, the PTSD services, and you'll have an opportunity to hear about what those are and how they work this afternoon at two o'clock. Uh, for, for those of you who don't go over to the state house or you come back, uh, those are treatment services if your firefighters or law enforcement agent officers uh, experience uh, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder symptoms. Uh, the idea is to try and get them treatment as soon as possible so as to l mitigate the effects of the, uh, of the diagnosis and then try and get them back to work as soon as possible. And the, the firefighter PTSD mm -hmm. treatment services have been better utilized than the law enforcement services have so far. And Joni's right, if the General Assembly sees that they're spending money on these programs that aren't being used, then at some point they're gonna probably wanna take that money back. And we don't want to, as cities and towns, let them do that. We wanna get our folks, your public safety officials, the treatment that they need. Yeah, and actually we wanna do the opposite. We don't want them to take it back. We want them to continue to increase that fund, um, especially if we can get rid of the stigma that's attached with law enforcement in regards to PTSD. Another um, piece of funding proviso that was in there last year was the $3.7 million for the uh, cancer for firefighters. Um, we passed the legislation last year, but it was un or the year before, and it was unfunded. But last year they put it in at $3.7 million, and we anticipate that money in recurring dollars again this year. And again, if it's in there in recurring dollars, it doesn't mandate that they report back to them, but they wanna know, is, is this program being utilized? And I've spoken to the coordinator of the program and they said, well, when we report back to them, it's gonna look a little hairy only because the program did not go into effect until July 1st, and then they had some issues getting the data in there. So, and they understand that. The General Assembly knows and they're aware of that situation. So that one, 
it won't look good on paper, but they know that they, they need more time to utilize those funds. And that's a supplemental insurance policy for uh, firefighters that are diagnosed with cancer. Uh, that is available to full-time firefighters and volunteer firefighters as well. Any firefighter that's listed as a, uh, is registered with uh, the office, office of the State Fire Marshal. What else you got? Well, you know, we haven't gone to the floor yet, and that's when, in March, when they take it to the floor, that's when the good, the bad, and the ugly get put in, into the yep. budget. So yep. we will be vigilant. Um, the, the budget on, goes to debate on the floor the week of March 15th or 14th, that Monday. So we will, we will be there all night long making sure someone doesn't try to do something, mess with the local government fund in some way, try to do something mandate that we have to pay for. So we'll be there. Yeah, sure. budget week we have to, on the floor, we have to watch out for provisos. Those are uh, pieces of legislation that are enacted as a part of the budget that are effective only for one year for the, for the, uh, the duration of that particular fiscal year budget. Uh, and uh, it's a great opportunity for mischief to take place. Uh, but uh, as Joni said, we'll, we're always there uh, looking out for you and often call on you to uh, call your legislator and say, hey man, what the heck are you doing? You need to get rid of that proviso. We don't want that. So we got about 10 minutes left. Erica, yeah. let's turn to you and okay. uh, let you talk about, just touch on that law enforcement yeah. reform a little bit more and what these folks can do to get that moving and the, in okay. the Senate in particular, and then talk about ARP. So thanks, Scott. And good morning, everyone. Real quick, uh, law enforcement reform. I guess I'll start with, we have been very fortunate to be a part of that conversation from the very beginning. We have worked with the Criminal Justice Academy. We've worked with the South Carolina Police Chiefs Association. So we were able to see the bill before it took shape, before House Bill 3050 came into being, working with Representative Wooten, who was up here, Representative Tommy Pope. So we now have a bill that passed, House Bill 3050, the House last session. It is now in Senate Judiciary, and I was very heartened to hear Senator Massey uh, allude to an upcoming subcommittee meeting, and that is where you can engage. Uh, we've been sharing uh, tenants of 3050 with you since it passed, since it was introduced. This is where you have those conversations with your police chiefs, where you understand the tenants of 3050. This is where we are promulgating, or the uh, Law Enforcement Training Council, is promulgating minimum standards for your local agencies to follow, setting up a compliance division that will uh, check to make sure that you're in compliance with those minimum standards every three years. Subcommittee is the time where you can weigh in. Um, I will be there providing testimony in support of House Bill 3050. That subcommittee has uh, those Senators have been announced, those members of that subcommittee. And so I'm very heartened. I think maybe even next week we'll see some movement on that. So stay engaged with our Dome to Your Home and our podcast will keep you, we promise to keep you updated on that as we have done with ARP. And that was a nice little segue into that. Now, typically when you hear me speak to you, I'm talking about ARP from the lens of your local fiscal recovery dollars, right? That is the money that you receive most of you, if not all of you, have received your first payment. If you didn't get it directly from Treasury, you received it from the State Department of Administration, right? But today, I want to talk to you briefly about what's happening with the state fiscal recovery funds. Now, why is that important? Remember when the American Rescue Plan was first announced, we talked to you about opportunities to leverage your local dollars with the state dollars as it pertains to water and sewer projects. Well, that's happening. Those conversations are happening now. We currently have three proposals just this year, this month, 
that have been introduced that all give you an opportunity to leverage your dollar. So I'm going to kind of go through those in the order that they were introduced. But please understand that these are just proposals. As Joni said, they have to work their way through subcommittee, committee, the full floor, and then cross over to the other body. So I'll start with the governor. The governor released his ARP, and again, that's that $2.5 billion that the state of South Carolina received from the U.S. Department of Treasury. Same rules apply. That same now final rule that you have to follow for your ARP dollars, the state has to follow as well. So Governor McMaster uh, released his ARP recommendations along with his executive budget. There is a lot in there, but what pertains to you in your cities and towns is there's money going to the Department of Transportation to complete uh, I-26 and I-73. There is a considerable amount of money going to the Office of Regulatory Staff for broadband acceleration and expansion. And then there's money going to, I believe the amount is $400 million in the governor's budget, going to water, sewer, uh, wastewater. And this is uh, recommended to go to the Rural Infrastructure Authority. Now that's the governor's plan. There's other things in there, such as a new laboratory for DHEC and some other things. But that water sewer is what we're looking at. Paying attention to what's happening with transportation and with broadband as well. And let me explain that broadband really quickly. Uh, the governor's budget has 400 million going to broadband. 300 million is coming from the state's ARP dollars. So where does the other 100 million come from? You heard Alyssa talk about the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Well, a part of that deal gives 100 million to, to every single state for broadband. So you take that 100 million, you add it to the 300 million from ARP, you get 400 million. So broadband will be happening soon in our, in our local governments. But going back to the governor's recommendations, he delivered those, we have those. The very next day, the Senate ARP subcommittee presented its proposals on what to do with the state's $2.5 billion in ARP funding. And we see those same three entities, and in fact, it was only those same three entities. So the state, or excuse me, the Senate ARP subcommittee is recommending that $900 million go to the Rural Infrastructure Authority. And this is, again, for that water, wastewater, stormwater. And you are supposedly going to be able to leverage your dollars with these dollars. There's money going to the Office of Regulatory Staff or broadband and for an infrastructure acceleration account so, or acceleration fund. So I-26, I-176, these projects were set to be completed, I believe it was 2029. If we're using ARP dollars, they now fall into the rules of ARP, which say they have to be completed by 2026, hence the acceleration fund. The Senate ARP subcommittee gave a favorable reading, a favorable vote to those recommendations, and it now goes to full Senate finance today at 3 o'clock. So I won't be able to join you here. I'll be over there at the Senate. But if anyone wants to join me in that Senate Finance Committee meeting, you're more than welcome to, to hear that vote and that discussion on the state's ARP dollars. Now let's take it over to House Ways and Means. That subcommittee, the ARP subcommittee, about a week later, we saw a testimony of sorts from the Rural Infrastructure Authority. The executive director, Bonnie Ammons, presented what would be a good plan, her, her desire for money coming into RIA. While she didn't give a specific amount, she did propose three competitive grant programs. 
that cities and towns would be able to use your local dollars to leverage and to be a part of. The first one will be infrastructure grants. And this would give up to $10 million for projects. 60% of this fund will go to systems that support populations of more than 30,000 people. 40% of this fund would go to systems that service populations fewer than 30,000, okay? We now see, uh, she also proposed competitive regional grants, and these are designed to foster collaboration with small water systems and large water systems. Again, same rules apply. These uh, collaboration grants, or these regional grants, will allow you to apply for up to $10 million per project. And then not leaving any system out for those smaller systems, or what they're dubbing very small systems, and these are systems that service populations of fewer than 3,300, there are competitive grants available up to $1 million. Now these competitive grants for the very small systems will be distributed through your local uh, council of government. Now just to lay the groundwork and give you some context, that was a proposal in House Ways and Means from a state entity, okay? It still needs to go through that ARP subcommittee get voted upon and move on to full ways and means. So we, we're still a ways out, but I wanted you to at least understand the playing field. And the main takeaway from you is that from the governor's office to the Senate to the House, when it comes to the state's ARP dollars, there's one common thread, and that is how can we allow our local governments to leverage their funds transformative is in the a transformative way and we have been a part of those conversations the governor invited Todd and, and our team to sit down with him and to talk about ways for you to do that and we, we shared our and Scott I'll let you take the floor on this but we shared our thoughts on if the projects are going to be transformative as they're designed to be what what we believe could be yeah seen. We, we engaged in conversations with the governor's office and house and senate leadership very early on uh, when we got a, an idea of what the, uh, the number of dollars was going to be that we're going to come to the state. We gave them our opinions, and uh, I think they, they, they've all heard us. Uh, I think they were yeah. probably all thinking in the same direction that we were anyway. Uh, so we, were, we, we helped sort of clarify some of their thinking, particularly the governor's staff. So real happy with the uh, cooperation that we've gotten and the, the attitude that everyone has had with regard to trying to make significant changes to yeah. our cities and towns and our water and wastewater treatment systems across the state st stormwater systems as well. We're almost out of time, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention just a little bit, and you're gonna hear some talks about, talk about politics and just to, at our next panel, but all of this is going on uh, also in the context of the, the House of Representatives uh, being up for re-election in November of this year after having uh, redrawn their lines, as I mentioned earlier. Some, there are about five House members, I think, uh, yeah. uh, whose districts were eliminated or changed to the point that they will have to run against one another uh, incumbents in a, in a newly redrawn dis district. Uh, the uh, primary filing deadline is next month. Uh, March the 15th, I think it opens and closes at the end of March. So they're going to be kind of squirrely in the House in particular until after the primary filing deadline goes, but we'll be there working, uh, working on your behalf. If any of you have more questions or you need more information about anything that we've discussed, 
Obviously, you're always free to call us. You can also uh, subscribe to From the Dome to Your Home, which is a, a weekly legislative report that's delivered to your email box. You can listen to, this, listen to the City Quick Connect podcast, uh, legislative edition, uh, by going to SoundCloud, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen, you get your podcast, you can listen to that podcast each Monday. And then, of course, uh, our website, masc.sc. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, we give you updates throughout the week and uh, happy, to, uh, happy to represent you at the State House. With that, thank you very much, thank and we'll you. See, you, you. see you around today. Is that a listen's Thank you, Rick, Scott, jo Joni, and Erica for all your hard work on these initiatives. It's really important, as you can see, that you keep in contact with your legislative uh, team here and in your community um, and make use of those resources to uh, keep up to date on what's going on. It's also the perfect time. Don't wait uh, for another, you know, uh, to another month to be looking at how these proposals impact your community. That's what I find most effective is get the information about what's happening and, and, what, and tell them what you can do, what you need to make this legislation work for your communities. Um, I know there are a lot of water and sewer stormwater needs out there in our communities. so. Let's do our part to make this all successful.